0: Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog, too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio.
1: And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Norsag Cafe in Winterset. Just a short drive from Des Moines. Go check out Winterset's oldest cafe located right on the courthouse square. Mention caffeinated thoughts, and you'll get a free crisp for dessert. Hey, this is uh, Shane Vanderhart. We've got Brian Myers uh, sitting next to me. We are recording our program at the Family Leadership Summit. This is a second year in a row we've done that. Uh, Fun looking, environment. Yep, looking forward to talking to some great guests. Um, speaking of guests, sitting next to me is the uh, Mayor Cedar Rapids, Ron Corbett, who is running for... Governor, as a Republican, welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts uh, Radio, Mayor.
2: Thank you so much, Shane. It's great to uh, meet you finally in person. I've had a chance to read your blog. I haven't really had a chance to listen to your shows, but I've had a chance to read your blog over the last uh, several months.
1: Well, thank you. Well, Uh,
3: meeting him is overrated.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, but hey, I'm glad you gave us the plug as far as... Now I can say Ron Corbett is a reader of Caffeinated Thoughts. So uh, so a question I always ask any... Uh, candidate that decides to run for office like this is why in the heck do you want to run for office in the first place? I mean, you know, uh, being your mayor, but now you want to run for governor, so why do you want to be governor?
2: Well, I'm a guy that uh, likes to get things done. I believe in getting things done. And after the flood of 2008, Cedar Rapids was uh, really struggling. People had lost their homes, lost their jobs, lost their businesses. And the city government really wasn't making any decisions. There was this culture of delay that had developed. And I put together uh, what I called a a culture of action, where we're going to get things done for the community of, of Cedar Rapids. And uh, got elected and brought all the people together, and we've recovered and rebuilt, and uh, our town is stronger and better for it. And and to prove that, back in September of last year, we were faced with another uh, flooding event, and tens of thousands of people showed up to save the city. Uh, The second time. And I've been seeing some uh, signs at the state level on several different issues that have concerned me. And I think now that the Branstad era is over with, it's time to look at new people that have uh, new opportunities and a new game plan, because if you keep electing the same people looking at the same issues sometimes mm. you come up with the, uh, with the same solutions. so i've outlined uh, four or five things to to really where iowa needs to focus on over the next uh, four years and my effort as governor is to or candidate for governor is to go out and and meet people and uh, be at events like uh, like i am today
1: so you said you know iowa needs new people someone may, may argue well governor Re- kim reynolds is new how would you differ from a governor kim reynolds
2: well, Kim's part of the current administration, I would say. Governor Brand said it always uh, basically told people he wasn't going to run again. And uh, he was always going to really kind of for not. Force, but he was going to support her. I mean, there are a lot of people talking about running for governor on the Republican side. Uh, Bob Vanderplot's uh, name was mentioned. Uh, we had uh, Secretary of Ag Bill Northey, Steve King, myself, and others. So I've always felt uh, this was going to be an open primary, both on the Republican and Democrat side. And think a primary is good, after all. I agree. You know, who, knew, who knew Joni Ernst four years ago? She right. was an unknown state senator. She right. comes out of that as a rocket. And on the Democrat side, uh, Bruce Brayley was the heir apparent to uh, Tom Harkin. All the donor class, all the establishment, got behind him, and he didn't have a primary, and he was rusty and flat-footed. And mm-hmm. now he's practiced in law in uh, Colorado, and we call uh, Senator Ernst, uh, Senator Joni Ernst, because of that primary. I think. No, the differences be, uh, between uh, Kim and I—we're both Republicans, and I think we're both both con- conservatives on uh, you know the general. Uh, issues, But on some that we disagree with, uh, one, the tax reform is something I certainly feel passionate about uh, for the state. This was a great opportunity this last year when the Republicans took over the House and the Senate, but they didn't do anything on, on tax reform. And I was a very slow-growth state, mm-hmm. and because we're a slow-growth state, we're starting to see that manifested in the state budget uh, with budget cuts and, and decisions that have been made. I, I also don't like the way they privatized the Medicaid system and the way they did it, the implementation of it, I think it's left a lot of people uh, vulnerable that rely on services, people that have uh, children with disabilities to uh, elderly that are at nursing homes i don't like the way it's treated our providers of the health care network they've squeezed down their reimbursements and now these managed care organizations outside of iowa are asking for more reimbursement which means the taxpayers got to pay more so right now that's a lose-lose situation so i'm going to talk a little bit about some of the decisions that have been made but you know i spent a lot of time playing football and on the football field and after the game was over with, we'd meet uh, in the room and we'd watch the films of the game. And we'd watch them for about an hour, and then we'd stop. And we'd start watching the films of the next game. See, if you only focus on the past, you're never going to be prepared for the future. So it's always tempted, uh, people are tempted, interviews like this to always react to what's being done now or what right. happened in the past versus uh, Iowa's future tomorrow.
1: Well, speaking of, you say you've got a new plan. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that new plan. What would it encompass and, you know, just drawing from your experience as as mayor of Cedar Rapids?
2: uh, Well, let me let me talk about several of them. One is uh, the water quality issue in our state. Uh, Since uh, 2008, uh, the Gulf Hypoxia Report came out. And this uh, report said there's too many nitrates and phosphorus making their way down the rivers and streams of Iowa down in the Gulf of Mexico. And if you think back of uh, traditional biblical principles, you know, we're called to be good stewards of the land. And uh, this water quality issue has gotten to a level where many cities, Des Moines and others, have had to invest in expensive equipment to have this nitrate removal effort. And it costs our communities and it makes us less competitive from an economic development standpoint. So I'm a big believer in the water quality effort and I'm more conservative on Kim. On this issue, because uh, the plan that we've been advocating for is like a three-legged stool. You got the farmer and landowner; they got to be part of the solution. You sure. have some public resources through the Natural Resource and Outdoor Protection Trust Fund, but then you also bring in the private sector as that third leg of the stool. And we're doing that now in Cedar Rapids, as we're working north of Cedar Rapids for uh, land. Uh, quality improvements from buffer strips cover crops things like that to improve the quality of our water and surprising or maybe not surprising these practices also help out with flooding which is uh, near and dear to my heart as mayor of cedar rapids so that's issue number one
3: well so how does that uh contrast that with with what uh governor reynolds would do in that regard
2: well so far they haven't done anything and that's probably one of the big uh, problems it's been uh, 2010 since the voters approved this natural resource and outdoor protection trust fund it's an effort where you dedicate three-eighths of a uh, of a sales tax towards this fund Uh, a supermajority of the people voted for this it makes it an annual Uh, appropriation makes it sustainable and it's constitutionally protected and that provides that public peace and when you when you uh, hook that up with the farmer landowner and the private sector you have a strong three-legged stool right now all the burdens on the farmer and the farmer then is uh, making decisions on an annual basis based on the price of corn so, when corn six dollars a bushel, the farmer has more resources mm-hmm. and they can put in conservation practices. When it's three dollars and fifty cents or three dollars and eighty cents, they don't. So, what we have is this water quality effort that we have. Some years we make progress, some years we don't, and we have to have to have an annual sustainable. Uh, right now, there's been a lot of different plans that have been thrown around. And in Governor Branstead came up with a
3: with a plan. They came ago. up with
2: a plan that would take some resources out of the schools, and then they came up with a plan that would take some resources, but from a water meter tax. And then they had another plan that came up with resources out of the general fund. You can have a thousand plans. Right. It isn't a plan. It's the leadership to get a plan implemented. And I, I feel uh, really uh, passionately about this issue, not just because of my own experience and in uh, Cedar Rapids and dealing with flood. We're not the only community that's with dealt with flood. And I was in the legislature in 93 when the Des Moines Water Works was overcome uh, with, uh, with flood waters. And people had to have, you know, bottled water and boil their water. Um, in Cedar Rapids, we were one sandbag away from losing our water. So it, it, it really is a, an important resource for us. And the way the, 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 the state really now has been put in this... Uh, like choice between urban and rural, where the Des Moines Water Works, you know, sued the counties mm-hmm. uh, north, and uh, Sac County, Calhoun, and, you know, the farmers feel like, you know, they're, they're coming after them, and they're trying to work to solve the problem, and you talk to a lot of people in the rural areas, and some of the small towns where they've lost their young kids, they've moved out, their schools have closed, their small business have closed, the only thing they have really left in, in some cases is their livelihood to make a living off the land. And that lawsuit really uh, was an affront to farmers and why I was against the Des Moines Water Works and their effort to sue the farmers. But the reality is, is they are running a nitrate removal system, you know, almost on a daily basis to remove the nitrate. So we do have an issue. We do have a problem. And I'm the type of person that can bring people together. I can tell you, after the flood of 2008, Cedar Rapids was extremely divided. The east side versus the west side, the business community versus labor we brought them all together, and I, I got that track record. And I'll do that for the state of Iowa if people give me a chance and take a look at me. That's all I'm asking. I'm not expecting people are going to you know, vote for it me tomorrow because the, the election isn't tomorrow. It's, right. it's next uh, June. I'm just asking people to uh, keep me in mind. Look me over, read my book. I'm out passing my book out today to people. a Book called Beyond Promises, and I'm just introducing myself to the people of Iowa now. For for the citizens, 11 months may feel like a long campaign, but for the candidate, it's a big state, and you have got to get around right. uh, multiple it time. times.
1: Hey, you're listening to Caffeine Thoughts Radio, and, and sitting next to me is uh, Mayor Ron Corbett of uh, Cedar Rapids, and he's running for governor of Iowa. Uh, Ron, I just I, I wanted to ask, um, what are what's your position on uh education as far as common core uh next generation science standards school choice things like that since education is about you know 60 percent of the state general fund just uh i'm sure our listeners will want to know where you kind of stand on that
2: well i am against all these top down decisions uh, especially out of washington dc i really the whether it's comes from both parties actually because when you look at either the common core coming out of dc or even some of the rules and regulations you know from no child left behind president uh bush signed that bill but basically ted kennedy wrote the bill right Uh, so i i didn't like any of that coming from the uh, from washington dc and i don't like it when it when it comes from the the state i believe in the bottom-up local control of our school districts i got elected in the legislature in 1986, and one of the groups that helped me out were the homeschoolers. Believe it or not, back in the late 80s, homeschooling was outlawed in the state of Iowa. I mean, we can't imagine that in today's day and age, but it was outlawed. I think it was a minister from Otomwa was being thrown in jail because they were trying to homeschool their kids. I got elected, got on the education committee, and we were able to after a couple years. Unfortunately, uh, there was big resistance from the committee chair. We were able to allow for homeschooling in the and now and now we have one of the
1: friendliest homeschooling states in the nation yeah but it took 20
2: years to to get there but it started when i was in the in the legislature so i've always always supported school choice so i like i like uh options for people whether it's homeschooling for some people it's it's open enrollment they can go from one district to another uh also uh private schools and then when i was in the legislature uh, we passed uh, charter schools and that was a it was a crazy year. I remember it almost was like it was yesterday. That was due to it, race
1: to the top, wasn't it? They kind of pushed. Were you in the uh, in the legislature when they pushed the that charter school legislation down to comply with race to the top?
2: Well, uh, this this particular bill. Uh we passed as part of an education reform effort and that's really kind of what happens. You know, every five to six years they everybody gets frustrated and legislatures around the country, you know, pass these education reform bills. This was part of a, a blue ribbon task force that Governor Branstad had had put together and it's uh... we had some disagreements uh, our house caucus and even the senate caucus really felt like it was too much top-down and we really supported the local control we end up compromising on a few things and one of the pieces of the legislation that you know got into the final vote was the charter schools but the the governor ended up vetoing the bill and it became pretty uh... uh well it, it wasn't the way to send the governor out on his, you know, last term, and I like I use the old football analogy. We were, we wanted to throw Gatorade on the coach and and carry him off the field after you know 16 years, but that veto of that education bill in 1998. Uh, really kind of spoiled that effort. but So I've always uh, supported school choice, but I also realized, uh, Shane, that a majority of our kids go to the public schools. Right. And we just can't abandon our public schools, and we can't abandon and encouraging the public schools to innovate. And that's what's happened with some of these uh, education reform bills, is they've really basically tied handcuffs and shackles to you know, local school boards and administrators, you know, because they have to fill out paper. They become Schools of compliance, not schools of education. So I want to make sure we're reviewing everything at our own state Department of Education that we're not uh, uh, hampering school districts' ability to innovate.
1: We got about a minute thirty seconds left in this segment. I just want to ask you before we have to let you go, uh, what's your position on life?
2: Well, you know, I I grew up as a, a pro-life Catholic. My uh, family was pro-life Democrat Catholic. And I've always believed that uh, life begins at conception. I, I, when I registered, I became a Republican. Since that time, my family's moved over to the to the Republican side. When I was Speaker of the House, we... Uh, banned partial birth abortions. We passed parental notification. Crazy. It was people could, they, they could get abortion without a parent's permission, but they couldn't get a tattoo. I mean, it was nuts. We began that <laughs> yeah. pro-life movement. It un- unfortunately t- took a stall because uh, uh, Governor Vilsack and Governor Culver weren't pro-life. And so we had uh, some setbacks for you know, a Quite period a of time. Yeah. And this last year, finally started to make some uh, progress on that issue again, and we have to continue to make more progress.
1: So where can people learn more about you?
2: Well, there's a couple things they can do. They can go to my website, ron at roncorbett.com. And uh, if they want, they can get a copy of my book, Beyond Promises by Ron Corbett.
1: Thank you, Mayor. This is Captain Tyson Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers and Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers and Associates, keeping your operations running.
0: Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog, too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio.
1: And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold, a modern woodman of America, Call Travis at 515-883-0029, and he can help you find the life insurance you, you need, need, as well as, that was awkward, as well, well that's as... that's
3: because you forgot.
1: That's right. Um, Caffeine Thoughts is also sponsored by Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Contact him at 515-635-5465 or crosswalkcounseling.org. And by the
3: way, Travis and Scott... Great guys, they are. Just wanted to get that out there. Since we haven't got anything else to do, right? at the Right. Moment.
1: Well, we're at the Family Leadership Summit, and it's. I've, I've been here all the morning and hearing some great guests. Speaking of guests, we've um, got a couple. Two, walking two of, the up of the guests are speak. actually joining us. We got a. Jason David. is sitting next to me, and... and uh, David, the smarter da- one. David, the smarter one. <laughs> I, the Benham Brothers. I am... I'm actually a twin myself, so I, I, I'm familiar with this. Are you the good-looking one? Or the, um, I, say, I like to say I'm the fatter one. Oh, come on. Well, he is considerably
4: lighter than I am, so... But you got the great voice for radio. I do. Look at I, do. You. I, have the, I have the face for radio, too. So. <laughs> That's, Jason does as well. Yeah. So, hey, uh,
1: what brought you guys out to Iowa? What, what, uh, what did you say to the group here this morning?
4: Well, Bob asked Jason and I, Bob Vanderplatz asked Jason and I to come out, and, and he told us, he said, we're really going to focus on principle over politics. And as soon as we heard that, we were like, abs- we're in. I mean, we love Bob and we love the family leader for what uh, they do in this state and in this nation. But when he said that, that was the theme and that's really what motivates us and that's ultimately what got us fired from hgtv was because of the principles right by which we live and also the principles by which we say hey these are what uh, lead to human flourishing and so uh, you know that's why we said we want to come out here yeah. and, and share how can story. you say no to bvp bob <laughs> <laughs> vander Plaats. when he asks you to do something you got to do it right right you no? you're on the next plane right that's
1: right <laughs> So, what have you guys been up to since uh, that whole brouhaha with
4: TV? Well, since HG, we um, we kept creating jobs, <laughs> doing business like we always had. We've we've since written three books. Okay, we actually release our latest book next March, just before baseball season, called Miracle in Shreveport. And it's, all, uh, it's a story about our baseball story and fatherhood and how to trust God when it seems like the, that, uh, God's not doing anything. He's behind the scenes putting this, the pieces of the puzzle together. And especially in a culture like this, when it seems so dark, you come to a place like this and you see so many like-minded people who are all together crying out to the Lord saying, God, you can do something. And uh, God is doing something; He really is so you said in, in,
1: during your, your presentation this morning that uh, the problem today isn 't the the presence of darkness but the absence of light. What, what did you mean by that
4: Well, you know in, in, I said from the stage uh, that we don 't go to bed at night and flip darkness on right The only way darkness prevails is when the light 's turned off. And for another metaphor, the same boiling water that hardens the egg softens the carrot. Or the same hot sun that melts the butter bakes the clay. So often in this cultural context, we're told turn the water down, you know, turn the heat down, or don't shine your light because you're afraid uh, that someone's not going to get hardened to it or or, or call you a hater or whatever. And uh, so it's important that we understand our light needs to shine all the time even in contexts where we know that it's going to expose the world's evil deeds. Because we, we do it, we speak the truth, we speak it in love. And if we flip our light off, like a little lightning bug, flipping its light off and on, right. you know we can do it as Christians, especially when it's so convenient our light is shining. But when it's not convenient, we kind of flip it off. And so uh, we just really want folks to start shining their light.
1: So, uh, so looking at shining your light and, and being a light for Christ, and um, the Bible also talks about us you know, speaking truth and love. How, how does the Benham Brothers, how do you guys balance those two things? Because well, sometimes we're really good at, sure. at the truth part, but not so good
4: at the love part. Well, um, Glenn Beck actually asked us the same question several years well, ago. Well, great minds think alike. Yeah, yeah that's right. exactly right. And what we told them is you don't have to balance something when truth is a man and love is that same man. His name is Jesus. All we have to do is bring Jesus into the mix. And so you also have to recognize that love is compassion with standards. That, That in the culture today, especially from churches, we like to talk about the compassion of love the compassion side of love. But we don't often like to talk about the standards because when you start talking about the standards, that's when all of a sudden the culture begins to vilify you. Oh, you're a hater because you believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. No, what we're saying is there's a boundary that God drew around marriage because he wants us to experience his blessings. And God's blessings are only experienced when you're living within his boundaries. And true love is compassion with standards. And so, can you imagine having a relationship, uh, a marriage relationship where you said, you know what, I'm going to be compassionate towards you, but I'm not going to honor any standards. Hmm. How long do you think that relationship would last? Not very. Not very at all. And so what we're saying is, in, in context with what Dr. Jim Garlow talked about too, we're, we're talking about a biblical understanding of what love is, and his name is Jesus, and that Jesus is also all truth. So all we've got to do is represent Jesus. In the
3: culture that we live in nowadays, which some people refer to as a post-Christian culture,
4: how do you guys describe the savior the god man Jesus Christ Well the first way that Lord Willing we're doing is is through our lives we don't even have to use our words it's that our lives show the reflection of Jesus Christ. And that's not always the case, you know, as all of us believers are striving to do this. Um, But one of the things that, um, I don't know if it was Barna or what research group uh, put this particular statistic out, but it's like 80-some percent, 80-plus percent of millennials struggle with anxiety and depression. And one of the reasons why is because they are really seeking for authentic relationship and and the leaders that they're looking at whether it's in the church or in government or whatever they don't feel that there's authenticity there although there is on many levels it's just not communicated Uh, and so one of the things that we want to do is Jason and I travel and we speak and get to connect with a lot of young um, millennials is to be as authentic as you can possibly be You, I mean you saw when we were up there on stage today we didn't wax eloquent by any means as a matter of fact Jason stumbled over his <laughs> words but we just deliberately try to be as authentic and as real as we possibly can so that you can be approachable and then when they when they need things or when they're talking to you you can give the truth speak it in love but you're right there at their level there, there's not, you don't pontificate you don't, you're, you're not up on your own little high horse of this platform that we've been Given.
1: Now, I think you know Jason may have stumbled on his words, but you won the applause contest. Didn't I think you? I did, no, and yeah. I'm really
4: it's, glad that you brought that up. <laughs> just because I let him, I let him win that. I think it was like six to three. <laughs> but who's yeah. counting, right?
3: Yeah, no, you guys never pay any attention to the score, do
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> never. No, never. So, uh, when when you have a chance to talk to the millennials, what kind of response are you guys getting from millennials?
4: Well, it just depends, honestly. Uh, the, those millennials who are spending time daily in God's Word, who have eyes to see. When we speak, it's like more light bulbs come on. But those who aren't spending time in God's Word, maybe they're going to a place that doesn't really, maybe going to a church that doesn't really put an emphasis on a daily time alone with God studying His Word. You know, the, the Bible specifically mm-hmm. says study to show yourself approved. But what we like to do is just do our little daily bread, our one verse a day, and we read it and we feel good about it. Right. You're not gonna show yourself approved when the heat turns up. So when we're speaking to millennials who have been studying, I'm telling you what, there is a move of God that's happening let, among millennials. Like let me that. jump in and say one thing. We spoke at Liberty University and we we said how many of you about thirteen thousand students there, we said how many of you are ready to take a stand for Jesus Christ? Ready to get deep in the Word of God and then to take that out into the culture? Ten thousand kids jumped to their feet. Then at other times we'll speak maybe at a church or something like that and and we'll have just a whole chunk of college-age kids come up to us and say, I am terrified of really taking a stand at my university or I've got a buddy of mine whose two sons, they say they feel like they're the only conservatives or Christians on their campus, and this is University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Now, we know that's not the case, but Mm -hmm. that's what they feel like at Mm -hmm. times. So we are seeing a response of just like an excitement to really stand for the Lord, but we're also seeing a lot of fear as well.
1: Hey, you're listening to A Thoughts Radio. I don't know why I'm hearing bumper music right now. (laughs) This is actually mid-segment. We'll listen to that bumper music again, but we're continuing on with the <laughs> with the interview, awesome. we have to be flexible here. <laughs> That's right. Things it was happen because
4: David made such a good point that <laughs> Absolutely. You had to play some music <laughs> yes, after that yes. was over. He figured, yeah,
3: shut her down.
2: <laughs> so we've
1: we've got the Benham brothers sitting next to us. We're here at the Family Leadership Summit, and and I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious as far as you know. I, you certainly, when all this cropped up with HGTV, you got you probably had a lot of vitriol thrown at you. Did you have anybody on the other side saying, wait a minute, maybe these guys aren't being treated
4: properly? We did. We had plenty of, of good folks, Bob Vander Plaats being one of them. He was actually one of the very first guys that actually called us and said, hey, I want you to come out and speak to a large group. Uh, it was about three years ago, I believe. And uh, so we had plenty. But, you know, it's always a remnant. Right. It's always there's always more that's going to be against you than it's for you.
1: Now, I'm just wondering if there's anybody even on the the who oh, differs oh, from yeah. you that that's said a, you know I don't great. agree with you, but I don't yeah. think the way you're treated. We was- had a lot. Okay. Yeah.
4: Alan Combs uh, with Fox News. You know, you remember him. Oh yeah. Right. He's gone home. Oh, yeah. to be, uh, You know, he's 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 dead now. And Jason and I had a great opportunity while we were interviewing with him. Of course, we clashed swords ideologically, but. After it was over with, uh, we put our hands on him and prayed with him. And his producer, after his passing, um, shot Jason and I an email. And this is just a couple of months ago when he sent us this email and said, Hey, listen, Alan always respected you guys and always believed in you. And 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 he, you two were some of his favorite interviews because of the way that you... Would pray with him, and you would talk about, you would ask about his wife and these other things. So we kind of struck up a friendship there with Alan Combs, even though, and, and he did stick up for us with HGTV. He said, "Why would they bully these guys off the show?" Right. You know, so we li- don't we live in a free world, a free yeah. market.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I but, was. Oh, I was just saying, I always appreciated Alan Combs as well, even though I obviously didn't agree with him on a lot of things, but I,
3: was, I did too. Yeah. I, I thought he brought a lot to to the show when he was on the show with Hannity. I was going to ask you guys. You're obviously in a different place than you anticipated four years ago. This is not where you thought your career, uh, together, if I can use that expression, was going to go. But looking back on it now, are you in God's providence, are you very pleased with where He took you?
4: Well, you know, the title of our first book is Whatever the Cost, Facing Your Fears, Dying to Your Dreams, and Living Powerfully. The whole dying to your dreams part is what we had to do when we went through all of this. You know, we wanted to make it to the big leagues one day, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and had that opportunity. We never made it. And then all of a sudden, HG comes around and gives us this huge deal, and now it's a brand-new big leagues. But you know what? We never made it, and we had to die to that. And what we mean by that is – when God gives you something, you got to hold it with an open hand. And when he gives you a dream or a vision or whatever it is that, that he wants you to pursue, you pursue it with your hands and your feet. You go out and knock on the doors and you do everything you can. But you die to the results in your heart, which means if God pivots you, he can. You, you'll allow him to pivot you and bring you somewhere where maybe you didn't think that you would be. And ultimately, yeah, we don't have the fame or the fortune that we would have had at that point, but you know what we do have is peace. Right. knowing that we said and we did what was right. We didn't do everything perfect, but I know that we stood, and, and I go to bed at night very pleased with that. And you guys are an
3: encouragement you know, to, the, to the watching Christian world. And can you put a price tag on
4: that? No, you can't. I mean, uh, that's what the Lord wants us to do. encourage means to make courageous. And we've had plenty of folks reach out to us uh, and say, hey, listen, I took a stand here. As a matter of fact, one of the most impactful times was we went and spoke at an event, and it was in Texas with a lot of the legislators and the attorney general. I mean, lots of Supreme Court judges were there. And uh, one of the representatives came up to me. Uh, and jason after it was over and said i had a religious liberty uh... piece of legislation that i wanted to introduce but i was afraid to introduce it because of the repercussions and the fallout in the media right and he said so i let it die he said but as a result of hearing the story of what happened to you guys i'm gonna go reintroduce this and he did and now we're seeing some incredible stuff that's happening in the state of texas in terms of religious liberty Primarily, this guy's part of a, uh, of a small movement of leaders uh, that are really taking a stand. So, hey, if our story can encourage people like that, great. We love it. Fantastic.
1: And we appreciate you coming on and, and hearing your story and, and getting to know you a little bit better. Um, Uh, Where can people learn more about the Benham Brothers?
4: Well, they can just go to benhambrothers.com, B-E-N-H-A-M. And you know what I did notice is that when I was talking, Jason, you guys were nodding your heads quite a bit more than (laughs) David. Whatever. And I'm very comforted by that.
1: And you guys are also both on Twitter. Yes, I, we are. Because I was tweeting
4: at both of you guys <laughs> earlier. I think right.
1: Jay didn't actually like mine. So you
4: <laughs> okay? I'll go in there and I'll fix that. <laughs> yeah, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Venom Brothers. All, that's all you got to do. Awesome. I
3: follow these characters on Facebook. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Great.
1: And this is Captain Thoughts Radio. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Hi. This is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Riswold of Modern Woodmen of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Rizvold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029.
4: Every human being
1: has God-given dignity. That's what we believe at American Principles Project. We work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, economic progress for working Americans, and a return to the constitutional principles that make America great. Want to help us out? Visit our website today and sign up for email updates. AmericanPrinciplesProject.org That's
5: AmericanPrinciplesProject.org
0: Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog, too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio.
1: And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, recording at the Family Leadership Summit This show is sponsored in part by American Principles Project, a conservative political think tank in Washington, D.C. American Principles Project believes that human dignity should be at the heart of public policy. They work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, authentic economic progress for working Americans and a return to constitutional principles such as federalism. Want to help American Principles Project? Visit their website today, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciples, P-L-E-S, Project.org. Sign up for their email updates, send a small donation their way, help them out. They're a great group, and full disclosure, I've worked with them since 2010. Sitting next to me, we've got Mark Rader. He's the uh, National Director of Student Recruitment for Summit Ministries. Uh, welcome to Caffeine Thoughts Radio, Mark.
6: Thank you very much. So to be
1: here. tell me, wh- what, what does Summit Ministries do?
6: Sure. Uh, Summit was started in 1962, so we're 55 years old. Uh, started by Dr. David Noble, who a lot of people may have read his book, Understanding the Times. And uh, Summit, uh, it, our primary focus today is two things one is curriculum for k through 12 and we a lot of christian schools and home schools will use that uh, uh curriculum and then we have student conferences which is kind of the center core of what we do and those are two weeks long where we uh teach uh, biblical worldview courses and we have students from all across the country come in that age group for that two-week experience
1: and how, how many kids do you have going through your camp Sure. Each each year,
6: yeah. Last year we had eighteen hundred and thirty-three students, and that was we have three campuses. Colorado Springs is the main campus where we were founded, okay. But we also have established a program at Dayton, Tennessee, through Bryan College, Mm -hmm. and then Biola University out in California. We have a program there.
1: Okay. Awesome. So very cool. Yeah. How did you get to become involved with Summit Ministries? Sure.
6: Well, uh, I I did 20 years in the Air Force, and then uh, I worked six years at Focus on the Family after that. And then Biblica, another organization, Christian in in Colorado Springs, worked there for 11 years. But then I thought my career, professional career, was over when I left Biblica two and a half years ago. And uh, I very unexpectedly got the Opportunity to come and help recruit students to Summit. We're looking to grow from about 1,800 students now to 3,000 over the next five years. So I was brought on to help with that growth.
3: So you've got a pretty optimistic goal, <laughs> there. Yeah. In
6: mind. big, hairy, <laughs> audacious goal. I love those. It is a big, aggressive. hairy, audacious goal. Yeah, exactly. The ones so. that only God
1: can accomplish. <laughs> well, I agree
6: totally with that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So huh. uh, what you know? I'm, say I'm a parent. I yes. am a parent of three kids. Sure. Um, uh, to adult children and a teenager what will my child or what could uh what our listeners children learn if they go out to summit what types of things do you guys talk about sure
6: um well in some cases well i'll just give you a quick story here um a young man named ryan rebellious teenager uh, a number of years ago uh, his dad kind of reached the end of the rope with him and he said ryan you got a choice your senior year in high school your car that's in the driveway can stay there, and you can walk or take the bus. Or you can go to this place called Summit that I just found out about. Well, that young man came to Colorado Springs, and two days later he called his dad and said, Dad, I'm sorry I fought you on this. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Within and two days he's, he's yeah, made this phone call. Yeah, and, and that was Ryan Dobson, Dr. James Dobson's son. Oh, wow. And that was 1989. And Ryan came home as a different young man, and Dr. Dobson called Dr. Noble, the founder of Summit, and said, I don't know much about your program, but something you're doing there is pretty amazing. That's a great and, story. And he brought him on the program, and I've I've talked to the lady that was a part-time administrator then that was manning phones, and uh, after Dr. Dobson had Dr. Noble on... Apparently, for days, from 6 in the morning to midnight, the phone was ringing off the hooks. Wow. And I understand that she took sticky notes and put names on the wall, and someone came in, and there was sticky notes all around the (laughs) wall. And so that's the story, and that really jumped Summit from about 300 students a year to 1,300 Almost overnight because that's of incredible. that experience. Yeah. Now,
1: you've had some prominent people come through yes. your program. Some of those are, are readers, are our listeners may know about.
6: Well, Dr. Dobson's son, of course, is that's one right. of them. But uh, also Josh McDowell's son, Sean, came to Summit, and that's what got him launched into apologetics. And Dr. Sean McDowell now teaches at Biola, and he's one of our premier People at Summit uh, that that teaches at Summit. So we also have uh, doc, Dr. John, uh, maybe he's not a doctor. John Stone Street, sure, uh, yep. the head of the Colson Center, used to teach at Summit and came through Summit all those years ago. And uh, so we've we've had a number of folks that people would know.
3: I, I have to ask though, having heard that that incredible story there about Doctor uh, Dobson's son, yes. uh, in two days a turnaround like that give us an idea of of what happened those first couple of days that would have that kind
6: of an impact on that young man. That's a a great question. I can tell you that we have kids that cry when they're dropped off because they didn't want to be there, and then they cry two weeks later because they don't want to leave. leave. So there's something incredibly uh, powerful that happens. And I can't speak specifically to Ryan's situation in the two days, but I can tell you that there's something about uh, the summit uh, DNA strand, we call it, is a strand of, or I'm sorry, DNA of two strands, and that's truth and relationship. And the truth we've been known for for a lot of years, what a lot of people don't know, is how deeply embedded in relationship those truths are, and that's through small groups, through forums, we have a labry type experience, where the uh, the students can sit out with the instructor for that day on a porch for an hour and just fire any question they want to. And when you're with Sean McDowell or with Scott Klusendorf with the Life uh, Training, uh, yeah, institute. training in- institute, or with John Stone Street. I mean, it's amazing what happens in a fairly short amount of time. And it so. sounds like your staff is your biggest asset. Oh, absolutely. And our 10% of the Summit students come back a second time. To give you an idea, and so a lot of them, and Summit by the way, is for 16 to 22 year olds. Sometimes they go up to 23, 24. Oh, so
1: I can still send my, my adult children there.
6: Awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we we can, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just the
1: size, what's the size of an individual camp sure.
6: typically? Sure. Um, our classes in, in Colorado Springs, which is our main campus, uh, run 180 students per session we have seven sessions during the summer and that's where you get over 1200 of our of that 1800 came through colorado springs then at dayton tennessee it's actually bigger we can accommodate 200 in a class and then out in biola 200 but because we have small groups that's where the real process takes place in a big way by the way i will mention that we still have spots open in august still in colorado this year, if people were interested and had someone they'd like to see if they can get in, and it's for about $450 less than usual, so it's a real and bargain what's, price. What's the length of the camp? It's two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks long. And
1: where can people sign up, and what's the registration process like?
6: Yeah, sure. Summit.org is where you go to, and that's actually where you can find out about the program. Um, and then I I'm, my I'm sur- serve as the director of student recruitment, and so... Can I give a cell number out? Yeah, sure. You, if you not myself out but 719-963-1830 is my cell number.
1: And how can our how can our listeners pray for your
3: ministry?
6: Well, I think uh, we're under tremendous attack because of what we stand for and by that I don't mean there's been people you know on the campus uh, doing you know coming into the campus but what I do mean is this: uh, pray for spiritual protection, because what we're doing is hitting right at the tip of the spear of where the young people are in the culture today, and we're very aware that we're. If you heard the stories coming through the door, you would understand, you know, about that. So,
1: great. Well, thank you for joining, and Thoughts Radio, Mark. Uh, this is Mark Rader. He's with Summit Ministries. Check them out: summit.org. If you have. Uh, high school age kids, or even a young adult that'd be interested in attending their camp in August, still space. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned, we'll be back.
3: Thank you, Mark.
5: Yeah, you do that all the time. These were not the words I expected to hear when I shared with my college roommate that I had hurt someone earlier that day. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. We know we're not perfect. But it is unsettling when someone brings into focus one of our blind spots. Blind spots, like the log in your eye of Matthew 7, 3-5, should be dealt with as soon as you find them. I immediately took those biting words to heart, followed up on an example he cited, and purposed from that point on to use my words to heal rather than to hurt. Yes, it was hard to hear those unflattering words from my friend. However, as the scriptures say, faithful are the wounds of a friend. For those types of wounds lead to Long-lasting healing. To get help with your blind spot, contact us at five one five six three five five four six five or online at crosswalkcounseling.org. org.
1: Hey, we appreciate all of you listening. Please don't forget to check us out at caffeinateddots.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, sign up for our email updates. Just be our friend, because Brian always needs friends. Yeah,
3: I was just about to say Shane needs friends, but... (laughs) We, hey, we are a couple of the most lonely guys you'll ever meet. Right, We right. have no friends.
1: well, we hey, no life. And this this segment is uh, brought to you by Myers & Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515-795-3676. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. We haven't had this segment in a little while, but we found an article that is just too wild to be true, but yet... You You can't can't make make this this stuff up. up. So, this is from The Guardian. A woman in Los Angeles has apparently demonstrated just how damaging selfies can be by destroying a whole row of pieces of art while trying to get that perfect image. (laughs) Selfies can be dangerous. The moment captured on video... I'm going to have to go find the video. Uh, um, at the fourteenth fourteenth Factory exhibition space in Lincoln Heights, Los Angeles, shows a woman apparently bending down to try to get the perfect angle for a selfie shot down a row of hypercane uh, of the hypercane exhibition by Hong Kong-based artist Simon Birch and a series of international collabor- uh, collabor- uh, collaborators. She loses her balance and leans back a bit too far, knocking over the first pedestal and sending the sculpture atop it tumbling, then knocking down the next pedestal in a row and causing a domino effect that takes out the whole row. (laughs) The incident happened... Two weeks ago, in a 14,000-square-meter installation that caused an irreparable damage to some of the 12 crown-like sculptures, which were made from a variety of different materials, including precious metals, marble, wood, nylon, and scrap metal, Gloria Yu, one of the artists involved in the exhibition, told Art and Culture site Hyperallergenic, Three sculptures were permanently damaged and others uh, to varying degrees. The approximate cost of damage is 200000
3: Two hundred k for a I selfie. Hope, baby. I hope that selfie
1: was worth it. <laughs> um, the Fourteenth Street Factory, which would not divulge whether the pieces were insured, told technology site CNET that it was not behind the emergence of the video. But some have thrown doubt on on whether the accident captured perfectly by what appears to be CCTV footage was in fact a stunt by one or more of the artists involved. The video capturing the moment was uploaded to YouTube on on July 13th by someone claiming to be a friend of Simon Birch, which also attempts to encourage uh, viewers to visit the exhibition. The Hypercane exhibit is one of 14 uh, rooms of the show that was six years in the making and originally planned to take place. Six years? Yeah. Take place in Hong Kong before moving to LA.
3: (laughs) Destroyed in a few seconds by some idiot taking a selfie. What
1: can we learn from this? Be a r- always be cognizant of your surroundings. <laughs> if yeah. if you must take yeah. a selfie, I, I I don't I don't I'm I'm too old. I don't get the selfie culture. I rarely take selfies of myself, and if I do, it's usually with one of my kids. Well, you know, if you're gonna take a, a selfie, politician.
3: if you're gonna take a selfie, isn't it by definition you're taking it of yourself?
1: true yes just saying yeah you're right oh I, I got into trouble myself with selfies uh during the 2010 u.s senate race i took a selfie with joni ernst and suddenly everybody thought i was you know i was oh, yeah, endorsing was jenny i was yeah. endorsing jenny joni ernst and and uh i'm not gonna say who i voted for for that but that was not an endorsement I was like hey i'm an equal opportunity selfie Take well, her.
3: And the thing of it is, you didn't cause $200,000 worth of damage when you did it. I didn't uh,
1: And certainly, I didn't damage her That's, her ability to win the U.S. Senate race either. Well, the moral of the,
3: sor- of the story is, is don't be a moron when you're taking your selfies and destroy an art collection. Yes.
1: Don't destroy art. <laughs> $200,000. Even though I have to say, oh, $200,000, uh, i am hoping it's just the cost of the materials involved because very rarely, especially modern art like that, hmm. But who then again, knows? my wife says I'm not cultured. so You're going to
3: put this video up at caffeinatedthoughts.com anyway. Yeah. Hey, thanks for listening. This is Caffeinated Thoughts
1: Radio. We'll see you next week, everybody. Take care.